This is a HeadGum Podcast. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We listen to the OC Supertones again, and we're going to talk about it today on Good Christian Fun. My butthole's tickling all Damn the it. time! Do you think you can make God laugh? No, bitch. Dr. Anthony Fauci. You're a clown if you say fuck. I'm a Christian wife. <laughs> Sicario. I'm a Christian wife. White women are notoriously shifty. I'm a Christian wife. You should be upset that I had a laugh with her! Clean up on aisle butt. Sixty-five inches, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Good Christian Fun. I'm Kevin. I'm Caroline, <laughs> and we're here once again to have Good Christian Fun. Hell yeah! <laughs> hey, get a. I'm getting a TV upgrade potentially. Is that true? Yeah. So that's why I know about all the measurements. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I've been talking about them a lot, Caroline. I know it's inappropriate to have this conversation on mic, and I do need to interface with you off mic about all your TV decisions you need to make, because yeah. something I feel passionately about and something I want to advise on. With Thank you. I think uh, you and Nathan and I can form a triumvirate uh, government structure around this decision, Yeah, and I do think it's going to be a little bit of a left field for you, because the model that we're looking at may not be the tech lover's model, but it might be the decorators. Is it the lover. meat lovers model? What, what are we talking about? <laughs> it is the meat lovers model. <laughs> Comes with extra sauce, extra cheese. There's pepperonis in the corner. <laughs> Good Christian sausage, Fun is the podcast where we talk about Christian pop culture, the music, the movies, and just the general entertainment made for and made by Christians. We're not here to make fun of you <laughs> or to make you go to church. Are we Christians ourselves? Well, you can't pin us down on that at all. We'll never tell. <laughs> and when Your our guests- lopsided sunglasses for a second looked real wacky in here. What do you here. mean? I don't understand. <laughs> what if we did? What if we transitioned to sunglasses? Like, you know, I feel like sunglasses, you think maybe people would be more vulnerable on the show if when they're they talking would, about yeah. their religious trauma, we're like, yeah, man. That sucks. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Like, well, no one could see me cry. That'd be cool. And then you could also kind of feel like a Muppet. Oh, okay. I'm listening. Wait, you've (laughs) never really cried on the show. I can only think of one time. Uh, Yeah. Interview with one person. But otherwise, I don't think either of us have really cried on the show. I feel like Zoom is the mask itself. You know, like there's enough blurring distance. Mm. And isn't that an interesting uh, take in, in our COVID times? The Zoom <laughs> is the mask. Think Something about think that about, on your drive home. Your, welcome. From your socially distanced <laughs> picnics. The topic for today is the OC Supertones. Caroline, we've talked about them before. We talked we sure about have. them three years ago. At length, yes. too. And then we had a follow-up with the lead of the OC Supertones, which I'm sure we'll talk about. No, we didn't. Yeah, we did. No? 
Wait, oh, I'm thinking of someone else. <laughs> <laughs> so Caroline uh, has made the grave Kevin, mistake. Kevin, just of let's move on today. To five so Iron what are Frank. we talking about, Kevin? We're talking about the OC Supertones. That's right. And you know, Caroline, we've actually talked to the lead singer of the OC Supertones before on the show. <laughs> no, we haven't. <laughs> Well, oh man, I feel like a Kevin, fool. Kevin, come on, don't be such a doof. <laughs> I, I, I want to be a goof, not a doof. That's right. Oh, okay. Well, we're going to need some help to talk about the OC Supertones. So let's uh, draft a little horn player into our section right now. Oh, yeah. Coming to you on comedy trombone, friends and folks. He is an actor, he is a writer. And you can catch his new film, Faith Based, out October the 9th. Everybody give it the hell up for Luke Barnett. Man, wow. Hello. I didn't know I had to bring an instrument. <laughs> no, I mean, are you? do you play instruments, sir? You, you know what? Uh, I will say, when I was in the seventh grade, my friend and I did take trombone lessons because we thought it was funny. And then halfway through the year, we felt it was like really insulting to the kids in the jazz band that we were doing it because we thought the trombone was hilarious. And they were like real wanted to learn the trombone. Dedicated of, musicians. Yeah. I'm surprised yeah. you didn't go for the tuba if you were going for pure comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I was a very small framed person in the seventh grade, so the tuba would have been a, a lot to handle. Would have you tipped know? him over. The heft. Yeah, but I think over. this summer we've really learned a lot. I think, uh, and I think I can speak for the three of us about the dangers of appropriating band culture and what that means when you yourself use an instrument that's not meant for you and why <laughs> right, you shouldn't do right. that. Trombone. Yeah, you dip in the culture. What do you think? Profit uh, off of it. Let's let's name like top three funniest instruments. <laughs> <laughs> Caroline says tuba. That's one of them. Tuba slash yeah. saxophone. I mean, the fact that the trombone got me to dedicate a year of my life towards learning it because I thought it was funny <laughs> feels like it has to be top three. Oh, sure. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's a lot of personality. Yeah. Uh, are we going to talk about the triangle? That's sort of a silly instrument. Yeah, it's silly. Is the, is the triangle actually in the mar- like the marching band? Oh yeah, like somebody that just plays the triangle. Like yeah, the but it's triangle? huge. Yeah, and it's some. It's oh, a triangle so one. big it can tip the kid over if he holds it. <laughs> Whoa, that's in there for sure. He has to wear it like a collar. Yeah. Is accordion yeah. funny? Is that still funny in the year? Accordion's funny. Accordion is, is like borderline cool to me now. Like if you literally could mm. play the accordion and you were good, like Weird Al level good, I think I would have a moment of like, that's not that funny. That's like pretty awesome. Like it's like a bagpipe. If I could go to a bar and you were playing bagpipes, I'd be like, that guy's awesome. You know? Yeah. It's uh, a complex instrument. It's it complex. Is, yeah. yeah. It's complex. Left hand and right hand at the same time. You're basically time? an accordion. You're an accordion player. You're basically a piano player and like a trombone player at the same time. Like you're yeah. working a lot of functions. Oh wait, no! I'm thinking of the the bagpipes. The bagpipes, you're 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 functioning with both yeah. your hands and your mouth situation. I will it's like say, getting a goat to sing is what it feels like to play a bagpipe. I feel like that's the same vibe. Of it. All the goats listening to the podcast are like, oh no, that's <laughs> <laughs> like, abuse. I will say, like for real, this is true. Uh, one of the last BLM marches I went to. There was a white guy playing bagpipes in the march, and we marched from City Hall to one of the intersections here in Old Town. And it was kind of awesome. I mean, because other people had other instruments, and he was like, well, I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm not going to, like, bring out an African drum or something. And people were like, yeah, Mm. this is great. So it was cool to see. Yeah. One of my favorite bars here is a brewery called McLeod. And every Saturday and Sunday, the owner, the Scottish guy, stands out front 
the entire evening playing bagpipes, and it's it creates a vibe. Whoa, that's for sure. Wow, <laughs> McLeod, I'm on a big mood. McLeod, big yeah. mood, yeah, loud yeah. mood. Well. Yeah. We've talked about Matthew. We've talked about Mark. Now it's time to talk about Luke. Luke, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, sir. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, what's your history with GDOD? What's your background? Oh, man. I probably, uh, you've probably exhausted my history on GOD with probably a million other guests. But um, yeah, I grew, up, uh, I grew up basically out of Saved. Like when that movie came out, that was my first moment of ever feeling like I'm upset because someone wrote the movie that I wanted to write. You know, now, like did you identify first... mostly with Mandy Moore's character? No, definitely not. <laughs> but I did, did grew up in that. I mean, that American Eagle High School was Grace Brethren Christian School in Clinton, Maryland. Okay. Uh, and so I grew up, yeah, right outside of D.C. My dad was a pastor. Uh, my dad was kind of a an interim pastor. So he was the guy that, you know, he had a day job where he drove a delivery truck but he had preached a lot growing up and he, then he would be the fill-in guy, basically. Somebody has paternity leave or something and my dad would might preach at that church for a month or two months or whatever it was. Uh, and then I went to this tiny, tiny, super evangelical youth group school. Um, and yeah, my uh, like high school for me, I was, a ve- I was a very back and forth kid when it came to all this stuff. So I would... I would basically be a really bad, the bad kid who did uh, the smoked the weed and did the things that you weren't supposed to do. And then I would go to youth conference in like July and all of a sudden like ask Jesus back into my heart again, throw out all my CDs, uh, all of a sudden go buy all the Supertone CDs. uh, And then all of a sudden I'd be like ignited for like four months yeah. And then I would like meet my girlfriend again and it would be like, oh man, we're not allowed to have sex, but like touching is super fun. And so then it would just like lead downhill fast and all of a sudden my purity ring fell off and it just kind of became a mess uh, of back and forth all the time, um, which is pretty much uh, a lot of high school for me was kind of going back and forth between uh, what I, how, uh, how Christian I was. Uh, yeah, well, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm wonder because I feel like this this is a lot of people's experience that that do grow up in some of these systems, but I do wonder if there is something comforting about that sort of cycle of the I'm gonna have my crazy summer, then I'm gonna repent, I'm gonna have I'm gonna blaze up. There's definitely repent. something to be said about feeling good as if you've made this life change. You know, it's almost as if like you all of a sudden like went on a diet and went to the gym at the beginning of the year and you were like, oh man, I'm crushing it right now. And that's kind of how it would feel on an existential level when you go to these, you know, uh, pray the sin away conference and and you would pray your sin away and all of a sudden uh, you walk out of it like I'm a different human being. Uh, I'm going to heaven now and uh, and I'm going to go, you know, on missions trips and I'm going to like lead the youth group and I'm going to start a Christian band and I'm going to do all these things and I'm going to uh, and then and then kind of go back to where you were before and then getting to do it all over again. You know, I, I think there's something about that. Yeah, that is such a good point of like kind of you get to have your little binge of touching and stuff. And oh, then yeah. You go back around and get absolution you know yeah. and then you get new hobbies yeah when you also do your absolution <laughs> yeah, exactly That's cool you get to go on trips yeah and you're yeah. like on the team and yeah. i gotta go on a missions trip to florida it was awesome you know what i mean amazing yeah, yeah. international travel 
Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, international travel. What was the mission in cool. Florida specifically? I'm sure there's so many <laughs> specifics yeah. you could zero in on if you wanted to. Yeah, I love the idea that it would just be like, there's this charity, we're going to go down there and we're basically going to do like two hours a day of like yard work or something. And then it would just be like, you're on a normal trip. Uh, yeah, with yeah. your girlfriend and your friends in Florida. And so it would just be like, okay, great. Uh, let us do our two hours of uh, really praying and, and rebuilding this community. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Which is a bit of a life hack. Well, once we can all travel again, you can turn literally any vacation into a mission trip if you do 30 to 45 minutes of good for other people. Yeah, maybe yeah. hand out one track at a diner or something. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? like, get coffee with a coworker. Out. Yeah, and then you can yeah. reach out to all your old friends and ask them for support, you know, to get out there. Yeah. And that's I mailed the envelopes. You know what I mean? I mailed envelopes with a signed letter that somebody else had typed up to get the donations. Oh my gosh. Like I never right. paid for a mission trip. That, and that's th- a lot of fun. This memory just came rushing back. I also mailed the envelopes too. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was I thing. mailed the envelopes on so many trips. Later on, when I was probably 20 or 21, I went on a uh, soccer missions trip to Ukraine and I hadn't mailed letters in like five years. Somebody sent me the letters. Printed them off, nailed the letters again. Said, well, uh, this is the wedding of me and my faith. (laughs) You're all invited. (laughs) And your present Uh, will be hilarious. Gracious. So when did it start falling apart for you? Kevin, yeah, <laughs> well, no, so skip the head so far. Wait, you just talked know. about his childhood, and you're like, and now. <laughs> well, no, I was just okay. Oh, I mean, wrap it okay, up. Okay, let's take year yeah. eight of life. What happened there? Yeah. Starting with Janice. <laughs> That's probably where it went downhill. Uh, uh, no, it, it was so funny. My school, the best thing in terms of speech, since we're going to talk about music later, my favorite thing we did when I was in high school in terms of uh, integrating faith with your normal life was. We, I played in these really terrible high school bands, and uh, and we would cover Blink-182 and Smashing Pumpkins and Green Day and stuff. But in order to play at our school, uh, we could only play Christian music there. And so we would basically change all the lyrics of all these songs. And so we would play Blur Song 2, except it would literally be I, – I, this is the one lyric ingrained into my head. It's the only one I can remember would be – we said, you know, it's it's woohoo, and then and then in Blur song two, we it's it, the actual lyric is uh, I forgot what the actual lyric is, but we changed it to woohoo, and I feel I've been made whole by his love and his angels, and it would just it's like the one I'll never forget that lyric, but we would change all the <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> That's the one for people. Oh my gosh. That would make me go straight to the altar if I heard a Christian version of that song. And I probably wouldn't even know it was a cover. So I would be like, this is amazing. (laughs) Yeah, these guys are rock stars. The trombone guy is so good. Yeah, he's lighting it up. (laughs) Well, something we haven't really discussed in too much detail is that the power of Christ when you are a young child in that sense and in those sort of spaces is also the power of parody. It is, what yeah. if you change something to different words and it's about something different? Like We would do these, we would do these, uh, the same thing that we would play at. We would, we would, aside from playing at our school, we would also play these conferences. They were called NAC rallies. I'd have to like look up what that stood for again, National Association of Christian something probably. But, uh, and people would perform all kinds of stuff. It could be a band, you could do a dance, whatever it was. And so many of the things were basically 
a cover. You know what I mean? Like a Christian parody version, whether it was music or somebody doing a monologue from something that was secular, but they turned Christian. This should be the next like TV show would be, or, or like a, a, a great funnier die video would essentially be these rallies where you have to change it anything to make it christian so it's just like parody art basically we could do like a drunk history of sorts with like turning things christian (laughs) i'm I'm shocked that someone hasn't done like drunk on communion wine history and it's like telling books of the bible but you're yeah yeah. well kevin you better shut up because that's an idea you need to produce my friend i better be in it okay we could do that sure (laughs) wait we were probably a funnier die around the same time luke I, yeah, I was uh, doing stuff with Funny or Die between 2012 and 2015 world. Oh, okay. Uh, I was after you. I was 2017. Yeah. I was me. Mm, pre-election. Yeah, yeah pre-election. <laughs> uh, I actually came out of we. I came out of Funny or Die retirement to do a, a, an election thing where I did a, a – basically, we recreated a shot for shot of uh, the Masterclass videos. Oh, yeah. Yes. There's commercials, except instead of uh, – like Sorkin teaching screenwriting, it's me teaching how to troll Trump on Twitter. Um, but it's like shot just like one and stuff. And that was a, a great reason to go back into the funnier die world. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Nothing is funnier to me than those masterclass trailers. Uh, it's amazing. I can't get the, enough of them. The line burned into my brain, speaking of Sorkin, because it would be the pre roll on all my YouTube videos for like eight months in a row was, damn it, how could this have happened? He says What's that from? exactly like that. It's Aaron Sorkin's commercial for his master. Oh, class. in the master class. Damn it. How could this have happened? <laughs> I'm still thinking of monologues that are changed to be about Jesus. Like, of, again, yeah, Sorkin, man. a few good men. Like, so funny. Yeah. You can't handle someone... the, the gospel. I don't know. What yeah, you <laughs> can't. Hand... Well, that could be the same one because they would just be a capital T, you know? Yeah, you can't exactly. handle the truth. truth. Yes, exactly. Or you made a big uh, mistake. Huge. But she's talking yeah. to the devil, you know, or Peter <laughs> yeah. or something Wait, like that. She's talking to the devil? Huge. Yeah. Wait, Wait what's the big mistake that the devil made? <laughs> you know, messing Leaving? with Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Hilarious. Gracious. Um, That'd be cool. Yeah, my, uh, yes, that was like high school was that world, you know, that everybody I'm sure resonates with to some extent. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, I assume you have some sort of reference to what the, what those schools are like and whatnot and what youth group and lock-ins and the absence rings and that, that was my whole world. And then, um, yeah, I, uh, and then I basically went back and forth after that between, I kind of like took a hiatus, we'll call it, from the world of faith until I moved to Los Angeles, which the initial reason I moved to Los Angeles, I did want to eventually write and act and do this stuff, but I had a girlfriend who was interning at uh, Mosaic, which you guys have probably discussed on this podcast, probably top of the line of the hipster churches, (laughs) and and she interned there, and I then – followed her like we were dating and kind of followed her to also intern there so i basically uh, dove into the world of mosaic which was kind of my next immersion in christian subculture oh hell yeah Uh, so so how would you describe the oh well kevin i want to hear your question well i mean Um, i'm i'm gonna assume that the internship was mostly getting paint supplies and murals and and (laughs) tricks Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got real good at Etsy. <laughs> yeah, I would assume. I'm sorry. Caroline had um, a I was going to ask, question. 
Oh, well, I mean, I've never, I'd never been to that church, but I just know ah. like sort of some of the vibe of it. And of course, like driven by it and stuff. But how would you describe like your faith experience at that church versus, you know, what you grew up with in the like maybe more evangelical traditional sphere? Well, I find it so interesting. So many people I've known from Mosaic have went on to become a life coach of some sort, which is just another wow. topic I think is hilarious. Hmm. And and seeing the trajectory I've found to be the most interesting is that the majority of them, and they're very smart, great people, but the majority of them have the same trajectory. And that is they were some sort of youth pastor or something at a Midwest kind of boring church. Then they moved to LA and got uh, involved in Mosaic, which is basically the coolest of cool churches. And they slowly segued that kind of clout in the Christian world into speaking at Christian events and then segued that into speaking at maybe less Christian events where they're using their faith as the intention behind their talk, but they're not preaching basically at that point, uh, into a book deal into slowly life coaching and, and throwing out the like religious aspect of it. And so it's just been interesting to see this kind of like uh, Walter White sort of level uh, going <laughs> from can- Kansas youth pastor uh, yeah. up into like full on uh, CEO life coach. I've just, and it's not even a, a knock to me on the, on the people who are coaches. It's more like just so interesting that so many of them have that exact same A to Z, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's like this um, new pathway burned into the church in some way, and it kind of reminds me of the sort of girl wash your butt trajectory too. Like truly, like a lot of the Rachel Hollis cottage industry uh-huh. of girl vague spiritual advice. You got this. Yeah. Bestseller at Target on a on a. I mean, it's honestly what we can if we end up diving into our movie. It's kind of like ends up going in that route as well, where it's like a lot of these people that have essentially. Uh, use faith to get them an audience that they then transition out of the faith. But like now they've got the book deal and the way to make money in the in the following. Uh, to answer, sorry, sorry, I got off topic. Your question about Mosaic, how would I describe my experience with Mosaic? Um, you know what's weird? A lot of people hate on Mosaic, and I and I understand that they call it kind of Christianity light, and I get the criticism there. But if I'm just being totally honest. The last five or ten years where I have not been at Mosaic, Erwin has Erwin McManus is the pastor there. He's a very well-known kind of famous celebrity pastor. Uh, I will say he's in a weird way just I've had a lot of like what moments where he dresses like somebody at Hot Topic and he's like this 66-year-old guy who like now is like every picture is him kind of like in front of a BMW with his Justin Bieber outfit on. It's all very weird now. 12 years ago or so when I was at Mosaic and Irwin was much more of a down to earth kind of normal, I hate to say looking person because that sounds like he doesn't look normal, but he dressed like a 45 year old and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I loved Irwin. Like I thought Irwin was like to this day, one of the best public speakers I've ever heard. Like my now wife, who's uh, by no means Christian, uh, she would go to Mosaic actually just to hear Irwin. Like she was super weirded out by the praise and worship and stuff that she'd never seen before. But like the 30 minutes that Irwin talked, she was super into it. So there's yeah. aspects of, of Mosaic that I really liked at the time. Now it has, I haven't been in a long time, but it has ballooned up into such an over-the-top, like, L.A. version of church. And, mm-hmm. I, and I almost find it, like, hilarious now. Like, I mm-hmm. follow Instagrams of Mosaic people now, including Irwin, 
and it's almost the way I follow preachers and sneakers where it's like my like comedy of the week, you know? Yes. So it's been interesting to see it kind of transition the years since I was ever there. I, I have a very small, a few small, small snapshots of that experience as well, because Mosaic was the very first church I ever attended in LA 11 years ago. Mm. It was the first one. I only went to one service, but it was when there was a bunch of different locations. I went to the Beverly Yeah. House you were like at a Sunday night one or something like that. It was like yeah. cool at the Mayan. Yeah. 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 And then, <laughs> and, and I remember like aesthetically what it felt like. And then I went Two years ago, I actually met Lisa Gilroy at a service there. She doesn't attend, but a mutual friend of ours did, and that's how yeah. we met was through her. And um, uh, it was it was Irwin's birthday actually, so there was a lot of confetti cannons and a lot of singing mm-hmm. for him. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I it's can't really speak to the substance of any, any of his teaching or anything, but I will say, uh, oratorically, one of the things he did that I enjoyed was. Whenever he would get worked up about something, he he would kind of sound like Kermit the Frog. If, oh yeah, he'd, he'd he'd talk like, and that's why the gospel is good, and and God wants us to do this. He wants us to be with each other. <laughs> that's like it kind of gets into that yeah. register. It's intense. <laughs> that's it's fun. It's, it's intense. Surprised you haven't yeah. come back, Kevin. I <laughs> it, is, it is it is so funny though. Like I I almost think, and again, I have, I've not to be honest, I have not heard him speak in probably ten years either. So I don't even know how that's changed. But I will say, just the the aesthetic of, of mosaic now has um has gone has gone so extreme that uh, you know i would be probably much even if i was more into the world of faith than i back you know than i am now i definitely would be hesitant being a 37 year old stepping in there versus like <laughs> the 22 year old you know when i first stepped in and it was like this is cool you know well, yeah well they actually yeah. i don't know if you saw this update they don't allow anyone over the age of 35 to attend anymore. <laughs> they, when I was there, they were actually trying to pass that, but it hadn't officially cleared yeah, yet. Yeah, it's called it the Logan's Run bylaw, uh, which Logan's is they, like if you try to go, they execute you. Upon yeah, they should call it the sense. Leo DiCaprio law. Oh, um, that's also true. Did I feel like it sounds like from what you're talking about, at least thus far, like your dad's sort of side gig didn't have a big like... It wasn't like a lot of pressure on you, it seemed, to like conform or to like keep up appearances or that kind of thing. It sounds like you had a lot of freedom to like explore what worked for you, which seems cool. Yeah, I would say I did, except that like I, the school I went to was so uh, small and so evangelical. You know what I mean? Like kids at my school, looking back on it, stuff that even seemed probably normal at the time that now seems absolute insanity to me is like, you know, I remember like hearing about someone getting pregnant in high school and getting expelled basically because they had premarital sex, you know? And then like years later when I was in high school, somebody else got expelled for having premarital sex. And I'm just sitting there like, uh, everybody else is either doing it or doing everything but the one thing that can expel them. And it was just so, uh, so bananas to me, but like that was less on my parents and more on just the work, like, you know, my mom worked at the school. Uh, I was as involved in that school and church as you could be. So my whole life was that without my dad putting any pressure on me, Mm, you know? Yeah. So they did the work for him. Yeah. Now, now, (laughs) if anything, I have more pressure from my dad now because he's probably getting older and then he sees I'm making this movie, uh, and he, that he's not seen yet. And it's a very much like a constant, like sending us every Christmas gift is some sort of devotional book or something. I think he's really hoping that I, uh, I I go back more towards the direction that he wants me to be in. The light. Which is which direction? Interesting. (laughs) You what? Which direction would that be? 
I, I you know, just my dad, you know, wanting me to like become much more Christian uh, than he thinks I've been in the last decade. <laughs> well, what's happened in the last decade? Let's talk about that evolution a little bit. You know, I don't, you know, I basically stopped, I slowly transitioned out of like mosaic world and then kind of went through a phase where, you know, I would go, I would try out other churches every now and again. And, and my, uh, one of my best friends, the director of the movie goes to a, a great church called Radius out here. And, um, and, uh, I don't know, just over time, over like 10 or 15 years, uh, I think I've just transitioned more into like questioning everything, you know, like, I, and I think if you don't, I think if you don't question things and you feel, you know, it's hard, especially when we're talking about a belief system that boils down to a, a book, you know, written thousands of years ago, that's essentially a game of, of telephone. And, and I know it can sound kind of insulting when people use that comparison, but it is somebody telling another story and then writing it down. And, um, and so I just got to a point that I at least want to question everything, you know, so I don't like the, so much of our movie is about believing in something blindly. It's less of, we don't really take any big swings at belief. Uh, it's more a, a belief in something totally blind. And that's kind of how I feel about faith now where, uh, I guess my answer when somebody asks me, you know, what I believe in is very much an, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there's aspects of Christianity that I still think are great. And there's aspects of church that I think are great and beneficial. And I see, especially now having a family, but there's other aspects that I, uh, definitely am, am cautious of, or, or feel a little bit different about. Yeah. I mean, the family question I think is the... <laughs> For those of us living a privileged, childless life, right? Yeah, now, yeah. The the question of children and how hey how you raise them <laughs> does seem to be the sort of I think for a lot of people seems to be the sort of deadline or crux of belief system in sort of figuring things out. Well, because it's like, well, I'm I'm an adult, but then what would I tell my child? What would I tell my kid about all this stuff? You know what though? I think I'm okay with with I'm not I'm uh, when I talk about family and like how things have changed for me since having a kid, I more mean that like my seeing how my friends churches when it comes to community and when it comes to events and and aspects that go along with like having a family somewhere, that is where I miss going to church every week. Uh the actual thought on like what am I going to tell my kids in terms of belief, uh I'm very confident in questioning things. I'm very confident in letting them kind of figure that out and not trying to tell them uh, that I 100% think like this is how you're going to go to this magical place when you die. I'm more very much wanting them to be a part of their own conversation as they are old enough to even know about that idea, you know, what happens when you die. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I think that works really well. I feel like we've talked to people too who like we're in a church or we're part of community group or, you know, the dreaded sure. uh, junior high youth group and still, and, and like maybe they were allowed to be a little bit more open with their doubt or their parents did say like, Hey, you know, we don't have to believe everything they say. And like those, those people and those kids can still really flourish in those situations. Yeah. And they're probably a pain in the ass for like the leader, but they're like, you know, they'll come out on the other side with maybe a little bit more of like a critical thinker, aspect yeah still getting the that's what i hope it's like my parents too. my parents weren't really that way they were super evangelical and super this is exactly how it is and this is exactly how you get to heaven and you have to you live your life this way but i 
I, I'm not that way, and I and I don't think we're gonna we're not going to kind of raise our daughter that way. And I think uh, we hope that leads to her being a better critical thinker and someone who's more open to all kinds of things. Yeah. But you know, whatever it is that you try to raise a kid in, they're likely to rebel. So you're gonna raise a True. super evangelical. <laughs> yeah, ultras. she's gonna be the next. Yeah, religious yeah, right. Kenneth Copeland. Exactly. Uh, Falwell else. Falwell yeah. esque little daughter. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, exactly. That was real. Where are you going? to evangelize you. I do have so many friends from my high school that went to Liberty that now I, I have like I'm like obsessed with watching their Facebook posts as I'm just like ah, I knew it. I just I told you guys. DC yes. talk silent on the Liberty DC University talk, scandal thus far. Yeah. Suspicious. Yeah. Silence is DC violence, talk Michael. Alums. Cake. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I want to talk about the movie Faith Base, which, like we said, is coming out October 9th on VOD Thank everywhere. You. <laughs> and I think it's a movie that a lot of our listeners would be interested in. It's obviously pretty adjacent in the Venn diagram sure. overlap of movies we've talked about on this show before. So what kind of led to its creation? What inspired you to want to make a movie like this? Yeah, I mean, we, um, I think there's, there's kind of two things that led to us wanting to make this movie. I, um, uh, for, for anyone listening that's never heard of Faith Based, it's basically the movie is a comedy. It's about these uh, two guys who come to the realization that all these bad Christian movies, often starring 90s actors, uh, make lots of money, even if they're not good movies. And so they end up deciding to make a Christian movie of their own, even though they are uh, not Christians and they don't necessarily even know how to make movies. So it's kind of this you know, version of the producers meets saved. Um, and, and I think it was a couple different things. I, I had for a long time, I, I talked earlier on how I, I had a few friends that were in bands with me growing up. And then we had some other friends that were actually talented and they were in good bands. And then they never really had success. And, and, and I remember feeling like, oh man, these guys were so good. Why, why aren't they making a living in their band? And a few years later, I ran into one of these guys and he had changed their band into a Christian band uh, that I won't name, but they were now making six figures playing festivals like Creation and Cornerstone, oh and they were playing mega churches, and they were doing Christian colleges, and it was just like, whoa. Uh, and that band was the Bill Gaither Quartet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. Um, and, uh, and I found that so interesting, and I feel like the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. I'm sure, you know, Christian movies have been around for a long time, but the last 10, 15 years, we've really seen that same kind of business model happen in movies where now you've got, you know, it started with, with pastors, uh, having their church fund these kind of like $200,000 budget movies that went on to make five, $6 million. And now you've got the same model where they'll make these movies shot for a few hundred thousand dollars and star Kirk Cameron or Kevin Sorbo or Dean Cain, and you'll see the numbers and it's like, they'll make $20 million. And it's, it's crazy. And my dad goes to a church who, you know, any one of these movies like war room or something comes out and my dad's church will rent the theater, take vans of members to see that movie. And the numbers speak for themselves. And I just find that so interesting. And so we had, um, my kind of person that I, my, my producing partner, Vince Michelli and I, we had had our very first movie was this horror comedy called Fear Inc. And it was with Abigail Breslin. It was just this kind of fun scream-esque horror comedy. And it premiered at, at the Tribeca Film Festival. And 
we thought like right after that happened, we were all of a sudden going to be making a massive studio movie or a TV show or something. And we found ourselves kind of pitching over and over again and people liking stuff and, and moving forward. They would put something in development or we, they'd let us go shoot a pilot and then it wouldn't go. And so it just kind of became, oh, like two years later, we don't have a TV show on the air and we're not making a studio movie. And so I joked with Vince one day. I said, um, what if we were just to make a Christian movie so that it makes money and then we can use that money to make two of our own movies. Um, and that kind of developed into, okay, we should do a TV show. That's that, that's these two guys making a, t a bad Christian movie. Um, and we kind of worked up that pitch and, and loved it. And people really resonated and thought it was funny and loved the pitch, but we really couldn't figure out where it went after the first season. Like the first season had a really good arc to it. And then it kind of went off the rails and uh, at one point, we had been producing a couple movies that, uh, you know, we're proud of, but they're basically much more thrillers and stuff that we weren't personally connected to. They were more jobs for, for us. And, um, and at that point, we said, we have to make one of our things. What can we just go make? And we basically decided to take the faith-based TV pitch season one and turn it into a film since we liked all three kind of arcs in there. And, um, and that's what it was. And it, it initially started off, we were going to, uh, shoot it on our phones for like $20,000. And, um, we still ended up shooting it for the most micro of micro budgets, but all of a sudden cast that said they wanted to do it, made it get bigger. And all of a sudden we were shooting with two real cameras and a real crew and Jason Alexander. And so it just became like, uh, a bigger thing. Uh, and that's kind of like how it happened in terms of the idea and starting to make it. The yeah. cast is like absolutely stacked. Uh, I was it's like, crazy, Oh my dude. God. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so, so funny. Like the realization that like Christian movies and Christian music and Christian self-help books are like such a gold rush right now that like, the market is still open enough and and it says a lot too about like the American church and actually probably just Americans in general too were like we'll vote with our money and like the proper way to like practice our faith is to consume you know correctly basically and, and like I, to I know I've said this before on the show but one of the more damning statistics on COVID Eve was the number one movie in America on Friday before lockdown happened, at least here in California, was I still believe the Jeremy Camp biopic movie mm. because yeah. of that sort of thing that you're talking about. Which Carolina, we did watch, and I can't say it's dollars. because it was an Oscar oh. winner, you know? <laughs> and Jeremy Camp on yeah. Instagram was, thanks for not being controlled by fear and coming out to our movie. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah, but yeah, in your example too of like your dad's whole church being like, we're gonna go rent a bus and support this like film and make sure that yeah. like Hollywood weirdly, knows, you know? It weirdly, not that I not that I even necessarily have any desire to see uh, a faith-based movie if it, if it wasn't as bad as some of these are, but at the same time, when those numbers happen, there's no part of that that makes these specific filmmakers have a desire to either make a better movie or make a movie that's not just preaching to their exact audience. Um, because why would they? Like, there's no need. Like, if they, like, so many of these Christian movies can't be, can't feel real. The characters can't feel like real characters because then it will push it into a ratings. Uh, uh, you know, PG-13 or R where their audience won't go see it. So it's like you can't have a character curse or drink 
uh, unless they really frame it to be just talking about it or whatnot. You can't have the, the good guys die in the end. You can't do these things because then their audience won't see it. But that makes mm -hmm. it just this loop of like making characters that don't talk like real people and storylines that don't happen and basically just more and more stories of like, oh, your life is terrible, pray, and it will be better. You know, it's like that's yeah. not what the Bible even teaches, you know. And it's just so curious to me too that like churchgoers haven't, for the most, I mean, on mass, like realize, like, oh, we are being scammed. You know, <laughs> like we yeah. are like per they're purposely making like a shitty product for us that we don't have to like, yeah, that we'll pay for and we may not even like really enjoy, but like we believe in the theory of it. You know, so like we'll keep going. And I'm just surprised, like, because this has been going on, what, since, like, the late 90s of these kinds of movies and this whole industry. And I'm just curious, like, when the, when eventually, like, it's going to run out, you know, where there's just too many of these or, like, yeah. people finally turn on it and are like, no more. We won't do this. You know, this sucks. Well, it's so interesting. Like, my... Uh, I had a conversation when this movie, when we first, when this movie first got announced, I had a, a, a former teacher of mine reach out to me on Facebook, uh, concerned, and um, and we st we had a whole you know kind of conversation about faith based movies and and my thoughts on them and whatnot. And one of the things I did for her was I said I'm going to give you a list of movies that have the same qualities that you're looking for in these faith-based movies. Like they might not have somebody asking Jesus into their heart at the end, but they're going to have a lot of the same themes that all these Christian movies have, but they're going to be good movies. And I sent her a list that included things like The Impossible and Lion. And I even included uh, a, a Christian movie that my friends are in, Blue Like Jazz. And I included the kind of these movies that um, in her list and she, to her credit, she watched them. And, um, and, she liked The Impossible. She, it's interesting. She liked The Impossible. She thought Blue Like Jazz was too edgy, uh, which is like, whoa. And, uh, and Lion, she did not like because it's, it's got so much language. And it was just kind of like, okay, well, I don't know what to say. Like, you know, the, you're, you have a movie where people have these same themes and they talk like real people and that's too much for you. Uh, I guess, I guess you're, just gonna have to have the Christian movies. Like I don't know what else to. I don't know what else you can watch. Yeah, like it's it's maybe not inspiration. It's just more of like comfort and entertainment at the same time kind of vibe. Maybe. Which listen, I'm not opposed to either. I watched a lot of Selling Sunset this <laughs> month and other uh, things that I won't share. Caroline, well, I, I meant to I meant to share my condolences <laughs> about keeping up with the Kardashians coming to a close, <laughs> as was announced. Coming today. to what? Uh, coming to a close. They announced today that the final season is. Oh, she no. didn't know. And we're breaking this on air. Oh my god! I feel like we just had a Kevin Spacey seven moment where it was just like she didn't know. <laughs> she didn't know. Kevin. <laughs> Oh no, I'm not JK. It's for yeah, real. They season 20 is the last one. I Even I knew that. I've never all seen day it. today. How did I not see this? Apparently not extremely. Wow. Online. That uh, is devastating. Did we just I mean, lose Carolyn? I think we just lost Carolyn. Yeah. Yeah, I sorry think guys. I'm just going to I'm going to need to do some research tonight. <laughs> so, and I'm going to need to laptop. raise some money now. Yeah, and you do wonder like what the kind of incentive would ever be in terms of progress on an artistic merit level would be for any of this stuff because i think blue like jazz was probably with a lot of the creators involved it was okay we're doing the next evolution we're doing the next thing in terms of that and yeah. i haven't seen it so i can't comment on whether they yeah what well, did you see um stuff, but well it's one of the movies that's uh people ask about with ours that i hadn't seen until recently but did you guys see believe me a couple years ago believe me it's no we did called, not no 
It's Not yeah, yet. it's called Believe Me, but it's like it's a Christian movie that they basically like tried to kind of uh, push the limits. You know what I mean? Where it it doesn't necessarily come across as a Christian movie until kind of the end when you realize it's a Christian movie. Um, oh, okay. And I actually talked to somebody that was a part of that, and they basically said it, it was a tough sell because so many of the faith based audience uh, saw it as too. Uh, you know, too edgy uh, for them, uh, which is just interesting to me because that movie, I don't, I don't think it was R. I think it was PG-13, and it definitely is a Christian movie where our movie, um, what's funny is our movie has some of the themes that people like in these Christian movies in terms of a story about, uh, you know, it's about a guy. My character in the movie is ultimately somebody who is desperate to find his purpose. He's in his 30s and kind of... Uh, hasn't figured it out yet and he wants to, you know, make his dad proud and whatnot. And he's always taking the shortcuts to everything. Like like Jason Alexander's character is basically the CEO of this uh, weight loss tea pyramid scheme that my character sells the weight loss tea in the pyramid scheme. And so my character is kind of obsessed with this get rich uh, quick CEO. And, uh, and, and I have a, a harsh realization of what that pyramid scheme is actually about in the movie. And uh, and the movie, you know, ends up being this character, like, will he end up taking the time to go the proper route about making this Christian movie? And it's got themes that people would like, but I guarantee there are a lot of people who will not click play on this because it is either R-rated or because it, they see it as a Christian bashing movie, even though mm-hmm. it's not really about that at all. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel like that. I mean, in researching... For this movie, because I assume you probably watch a lot of these faith-based movies, sure, or similar to the one that your characters are making in the movie, which I believe is called yeah. "A Prayer in Space." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what story of the first prayer ever to be prayed? What? What? What is uh, one of the more surprising things you found in your research? Whether it was a movie that was better than you expected, or something that was a commonality in some of the movies that you saw, what stood out to you in that? Well, this is probably not the best answer to this, but this was a crazy story. We originally weren't going to make a prayer in space in the movie. We were going to make a movie called Angel on the Farm. And it was about a city girl named Roxy who gets in trouble with the law and has to go live on her grandfather's farm where she meets the uh, old horse uh, angel who teaches her that there's a higher purpose. And, uh, and it became weirdly, we changed it because of budget where we were like, oh man, a talking horse and renting a farm and all this stuff is, is a lot. And so we changed it to this uh, prayer in space, which we actually think is much funnier. Uh, but what's funny is a few months later, I was looking through all these Christian movies and I realized that Pure Flix had a movie at the time. Pure Flix, for anyone who doesn't know, is the Netflix of Christian cinema. Um and they had a movie that was, I don't think it was called Angel on the Farm, but it was called something eerily similar. Oh and God. the story, their horse didn't talk, to be fair. Our, our movie's horse talked, yeah. but it was about a literal inner city girl who has to go on the farm and ends up taking care of this horse. And I was just like, oh my there God. There was this a is, horse in it this still? A horse and everything. Didn't talk. I want to clarify that their horse did not talk. Well, they're not uh, dedicated to the art the way that you were, obviously. But Narrowly avoided <laughs> so lawsuit. Funny. Gracious. Uh, yeah. 
Oh my goodness. I do want more uh, pets that bring you to the faith kind of thing. You know, uh, I guess a prayer buddies would be nice. Hey, altar buddies. I like like altar buddies. Altar buddies. Uh, I I will say one answer to your question that I did find interesting in terms of a theme we kept seeing, and this doesn't as much go for the bigger like war rooms and stuff like that, but we have seen a trend the last three or four years uh, and, and again, I don't think this is necessarily uh, because of the president. I think it's more the culture of, of it all where people have basically started to make political agenda movies now that they frame as a faith-based movie to get that audience. And that I found super interesting. So there's a lot of movies now that are about the Second Amendment or about abortion or any sort of like p- political agenda but they've pushed it out there as a faith-based film, and it will again star Dean Cain or Kevin Sorbo, and <laughs> and and you will look at it, and it will make Dennis money. Quaid. Yeah, That's the Trump. Yeah, prophecy, are you talking about the um? What was the abortion movie that came out a couple years ago? Is oh, the there was October Baby, but that came out October Baby was a big, a big hit yeah. for the indie indie Christian market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but oh, there so was another one too, like a like, year ago. Because that movie, like that. I would be like, though, that's obviously a Christian movie to me because abortion is is so hand in hand with like faith for Christians in America at this point, you know, yeah. with like unplanned God, is maybe what you're thinking now. Unplanned, yeah. maybe. Well, yeah. there was also yeah. one last year that Kevin Sorbo did. I forgot what it was called. Maybe like the ritual. No, it was called something. And it's like literally this kind of like apocalyptic world where uh guns are no longer allowed in america <laughs> and all this stuff's oh, no. happening it's very post-apocalyptic the worst and thing they're like they're imagine. like the last group of people to be like walking around with oh, guns yeah. it's just like what what are we gonna do without those guns yeah that's i don't even like thinking about that that's too scary um, <laughs> yeah I, I'd, I'd rather i actually not. find that offensive yeah, i'm gonna have to nightmares <laughs> tonight that seems that actually seems like a gun bashing movie to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I would watch it with a very different viewpoint than many people. Imagine there's no gun. No! Oh my has there God. been a movie about, uh, I'm sure there has, but like kind of the the cake baker Supreme Court case, you know, where like uh, someone was so forced yet. to do, yeah, something for a gay person that they didn't want know. to or like something the, like, like that. Like the state, the state employee, that lady that refused to notarize. Yes. Dude, I'm not joking. What is her name? Um. It's that, Kim Davis. Kentucky, Kim Davis. She's mentioned in our movie. This actor, this, <laughs> oh my God, my favorite improv of the entire movie was this actor, Chris Marquette, who you've seen in like The Girl Next Door and Just Friends and he's on Barry now. He is, he's one of the executives of our, our Netflix Christian thing, which is called Christ Flicks. And he's riffing on the things that need to happen in a faith-based, like a, the things a faith-based film needs to have to make money. And at one point he starts just like spitballing and he's talking about this, like this, this person that's like rat is this rat is their, or their guardian angel. And then he just keeps going and going and going. And then at the end he ends it with like, and in the end that was actually Kentucky clerk, Kim Davis. And and it made the final cut and and in screenings, it gets like the biggest laugh of the movie. And I'm like, I can't believe uh, Kentucky clerk Kim Davis is in this movie and gets the biggest so laugh. Funny, and he pulled that. And she loved so that deep trivia. In my brain. That honors her. Yeah, I should send her the clip. <laughs> well, the movie looks so funny. I can't wait to watch it. And I will say, even in in preparing to record for this, apropos of nothing, and we have not spoken to each other in months. 
my old therapist, who is a Christian, sent me the trailer of your movie and said, this looks really up your alley and looks no really way. good. You guys should talk about it. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, it was funny. I, I, when, I, when, when I was thinking about you guys, I was just like, there's not a, necessarily a better crossover like in terms of the, the subject matter of this entire podcast. Oh, totally. No, and you know, GCF can't be bought uh, yeah. just like every other you know, decent podcast, but we do, you know, we like the themes. We'll say that. We'll say that. Sure. We'll say that. Sure. Well, thanks for sharing and your yes. story, Luke, and talking about the movie. We're stoked for it. Let's take a break uh, thanks, and guys. we'll be right back with more Good Christian Fun. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code HEADGUM at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome back to Good Christian Fun. It's time to dive into the topic. Come on, let's go. Uh, we talked about a few topics that you might want to talk about, Luke, and you were describing sort of the journey uh, sure. that you had of transitioning out of the music of your family into some of this more Orange County ska punk stuff. <laughs> what, what was that like? What was like the musical palette of your family and then you as an individual? Yeah, well, I... Uh... I remember my sister and my mom were obsessed with all with uh, you know Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant, who I still think is is one of the best to this day. Uh, and then in high school, I pushed forward pretty hard into the Christian ska scene, um, which, looking back, is is an incredible story to tell someone who has no idea what the Christian <laughs> ska scene of nineteen ninety nine was That's like. Weird. Can I, by the way, on the subject of Amy Grant, did you guys see the Pedro Pascal tweet today? No. 
Pedro no. Pascal is the star of The Mandalorian, as we all know. Game of Thrones, yeah. He's in Game of Thrones. He is the titular Mandalorian. And he tweeted today, baby, baby, I'm taking with the notion to love you with the sweetest of devotion. The Mandalorian, October 30th on Disney+. Plus. Oh, and it's a picture my. of Baby Yoda. <sighs> which, oh, my God. I know, I know we've had a Baby Yoda Amy Grant parody song joke at some point on our on our podcast. It's just it's good to know. Do you Pedro. think he's a listener? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's a listener. Oh my god, wow. that's the oh only and he's a, conclusion. And he's a joke thief on top of that. <laughs> that is incredible. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, he's a listener, baby, and baby. he's he's the freaking uh, Carlos Mencia of the Star Wars. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> messed up. So Orange County, Scotty. Uh, even though you didn't grow up here. Yeah, I didn't grow up here. I think it was, uh, you know, you transition into the DC talk audio adrenaline world of of for me age wise, and again, I'm 37. It was that was probably junior high, and then that evolved into the. Uh, the ska and punk Christian scene, which like looking it up, I've looked it up recently in, in, in just a, out of curiosity in terms of uh, from aside from my bubble, how mainstream was this stuff? And it was a very interesting, like four years that like, again, hearing you guys at the beginning say that you'd already talked about the supertones. I'm almost bummed that that was already an episode, but there is so much to just cover in that three or four year period that I think was so interesting about the supertones kind of leading to all this interesting period of, of Christian ska and punk, which I don't think ever like necessarily came back. It was just this interesting period where every high school, college age Christian person that I knew somehow listened to Christian ska, which ska in general is not something to me that is mainstream enough for most people to even say they ever listened to, let alone Christian ska. I mean, what do you think is the most mainstream ska band ever? Would it be No Doubt? Is that no doubt, ska? Sure. No Doubt's the most no doubt, like no main mainstream for sure. Uh, and then you would have like the Mighty Mighty Boston's, mm-hmm. you know, which was interesting because they were kind of like a little before the Orange County Supertones, and they are so wildly similar uh, that it does make me wonder, like, oh, did they? I don't know the guys from uh, Orange County Supertones whatsoever, but there had to be a moment of inspiration mm, of saying a little Pedro uh, these Pascal guys, moment. Yeah, a little Pedro Pascal. <laughs> oh, we'll call it. Is that our uh, shorthand for plagiarism <laughs> now? Yes, Pedro Pascal. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure the Supertones had a quick Pedro Pascal moment uh, of listening to the Mighty Boston's and saying maybe we should change things up a little. Well, they're bit. called tones. That's crazy. They're tones. They're all tones. Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, you can't deny Boston's and Supertones. One of them just said, I will corner the Christian market. And they did. Is Mambo number five, Ska? No, absolutely no, not. Definitely not. <laughs> no, definitely my not. Lord. <laughs> okay. <laughs> New drop, by the way. It's Mambo number five, yeah. Ska. You could consider Sublime ska in a certain regard. Like certain Sublime albums could be considered mm, ska. Heard of Mambo number five. I have heard of uh, Mambo number five. <laughs> what Did you say that? you've never heard of Sublime? No, I haven't. Can you've I, never heard of the band Sublime? Or you'll probably tell me a song. Oh, I'll be like, Karen. oh yeah, I know that. Can yeah. you? <laughs> Wait, I just, I have to know. Just have curiosity's sake. What about yeah. Mambo number five led you to believe this is probably ska? <laughs> we were talking about the most mainstream ska, right? And I yes. was just trying to think, like, 
what's what had like those trumpets you know what had that sort of borderline polka vibe to it and i so, was like Mambo number so you thought what had trumpets and the first song that came to mind is the one where wow. the lead singer goes the trumpet <laughs> I also realized like the genre of the music is in the title as well. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's the best part of that entire five. joke. Is that it's uh, called Mambo. Yeah. All What's right. The most well, mainstream ska I'll think on that more. Cole Porter. <laughs> <laughs> Gracious. And so, uh, who, by the way, who was your favorite album? You know, there was Insiders, there was Five Iron Frenzy, there was MXPX, there was Supertones. Like, did you have. Yeah. What were your preferences inter- with all that stuff? I definitely listened to a lot of all the uh, Insiders and Five Iron Frenzy. I'd probably say. I'd probably say MXPX was the most, like, I remember we used to go to this Christian coffee house when I was probably 14 or 15, and I I wonder if it's still there. It was probably not. It was called My Brother's Place. Uh, It it actually was where Good Charlotte broke out from, but this place was basically like- They broke up. They met there, and they're like, guys. They they broke up there. (laughs) can't do this Uh, anymore. (laughs) No, they're from my hometown, uh, and and they would play- There's this place called My Brother's Place, and it was basically uh, our version of like a little- like band space like you know in la you've got something awesome like the rocks or the troubadour we had my brother's place they served uh coke and and cheetos no alcohol and uh but to be fair they would get uh everything from like local bands to mxpx um so they would get you know kind of mainstream christian bands to come play and, and i'll never forget when mxpx played and it was just like uh it was as if I was seeing Nirvana if if uh, I hadn't gone to a tiny evangelical Christian school. <laughs> oh, sure. Really rocked you. I, I like looking back of all the stuff we've talked about on this show, there is something very pure about like the Christian ska moment or window yeah. that you're talking about because maybe it's because it's such a genre that's like not palatable for most people that like yeah. – there wasn't a lot of like maybe money in it or or like marketing dollars or whatever and 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 it also has a big sense of humor which sometimes like I feel like Christian music can be afraid of sometimes. I feel like punk is punk and ska where they were they were happening like MXPX uh, and and Mighty Mighty Boston's kind of happening. I mean Mighty Mighty what are they Orange County Supertones were kind of happening at the same time and and both of those kind of fit what you're saying. They both had like some comedy to them. They both like you look at the even just the covers of their albums and like MXPX was all done with like comic book style and stuff. So there's definitely like Mm -hmm. a bit of fun and a bit of, uh, this specific sound that now I've played both of these bands for my wife, uh, who had obviously never heard of either of them. And she did not get through 45 seconds. Like, you know, she was just like, what is this? This is the worst thing I've ever heard. And I was like, you're kidding me. This is nostalgic and amazing. And we're, we haven't listened to this in 15 years. And we're going to listen to the whole album. And she this was is going like, to no, save our uh, marriage, honey. We're going to put on Radiohead right now. And I was now like, imagine okay, that's, co-hosting that's this podcast. Hey! You know? <laughs> <laughs> you're not married Imagine what me. I've been through. What I've been <laughs> through. <laughs> Caroline has described the sound of ska before as the class clown of music genres. <laughs> Yeah, I get it. I get it. I, I, I think it's just like also it can be so repetitive. You know what I mean? It's the same like exact same upstroke happening all the time. But uh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. But there's something fun to it, and yeah, it makes Definitely. sense too that these these bands like are so dear to people still. You know, back when yeah. skank meant a good thing. Oh, it is. It, that is also a word that clearly you guys talk about in this podcast. But I 
I when I tell somebody about the Christian ska scene and I say things about like how we would be at the show and we would all be like skanking in in, in the front where there'd be like a mosh pit or I'd be at like a house party and we'd be like skanking. People have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> like I have to like explain it to them, and then I have to like try to do it. Like, you know oh, what no, I mean? That's Which is grinding. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you kind of kick, and yeah, uh, it's kick. like a march, and it's in yeah. time. Yeah. It's like a polka dance. Yeah, you guys get essentially, it. yeah. I, and I will say, I did see Five Iron Frenzy in Pomona two years ago oh, when when they two came. years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. they came back and, and Reese had done the show before Reese wow. Roper. And so he invited us in. And I will say the sight of, of young men, because I think they were late oh, teens, yeah. early 20s, skanking in the 21st century was stunning wow. on a level. Wow. I, I actually saw on Twitter that they had an album coming out or came out. And I'm like, man, I might have to listen to this. I've not listened to this since I was like 20. I'm probably yeah, they got a new Kickstarter going for an album. Um, <laughs> oh, got it. So, got it. Yeah. The... the um, uh, what I find interesting, too, to go back to all the things we've talked about in terms of these kind of transitions is you also had come out of this scene of this of this, let's say, five year period of the Supertones and the Insiders and, and all the and MXPX. You the next kind of music scene that followed, in my opinion, was this kind of vague. Uh, it came out of tooth and nail, but all of a sudden it was like uh, not Dashboard, but what was his like first band? Um Further Seems Forever, and you kind of had this, like, Further Seems Forever, May, you know, you had all these kind of Christian bands that were all of a sudden, like, a little more vague in their Christianity. You know what I mean? Like, you listen to old MXPX or Orange County Supertones, and they're basically doing praise and worship as a punk song, and then the next evolution was kind of these bands that were a little more vague in their in their Christianity, and now you look up most of those same guys, and they're just in bands that, like, you haven't heard of, but they're just, like, bands. Um, so yeah. it's just been an interesting thing to see in terms of all these transitions of, of getting famous in this one world and kind of getting to the vague part of that world and then kind of stepping out of that world. Yeah, because mm-hmm. the sort of commercial Trojan horsing you can do with a lot of the film stuff, as we talked about before, because the money just doesn't exist that much in music. There's really no rationale for doing it unless you're mm-hmm. going to be the biggest of the big or if you yeah. sincerely want to praise god in, in yeah. music form but in terms of like there's probably like hey whoa glad we're recording video of this <laughs> but there's probably less uh temptation i guess to to snooker an audience in in the way that does exist of like yeah you can be the Irwin brothers and make i can only imagine for you know 10 mil and then make 80 mil on it you can't really do that so if it's like oh i just want to make music just make music you don't need to put upon all the things unless you are casting crowns or whatever yeah yeah or whatever the case i'm dying to know what the Irwin brothers bought with that imagine money you know like do you think they Uh, bought atvs probably you know they have some ranch uh they've got oh yeah they don't live in los angeles yeah no right yeah they've got got a ranch in like southern georgia or something if you have a job and don't live in los angeles you own so much property wherever you are is my assumption (laughs) yeah yeah, you have just acreage you have like three houses right Jesus. I was I was yeah. referring to the Encyclopedia of Contemporary Christian Music as we all oh do my by Mark Allen wow. and there's a big long <laughs> entry on the OC Supertones. Wow! And he does say about this album uh, with a sound quality greatly improved over the debut. <laughs> it opens with <laughs> a bombastic hilarious. track 
that declares, we want this band to be a big love letter. So we play the ska and it makes you feel better. Wow. <laughs> Which is so yeah. much so of the... And I, I, I do want to play a little bit of that song that whose music video I remember pretty... This song, this song's epic. Yes. Big Adrian Brody energy. So we play the sky and it's a feel better. God's got love for us, so we got love for you. It's your life, so what you wanna do? Wait, do you know? Do you guys know what I'm talking about with Big Adrian Brody energy? (laughs) (laughs) I don't, but that sounds. I I have a visual. (laughs) So. Adrian Brody hosted SNL in like 2002, 2003, sometime in the mid-aughts. And when they came back from commercial to introduce whoever the music act was, he did this without telling Lorne Michaels or any of the producers, and he put on a Rasta hat uh, with dreads and everything, and he did his Rasta man character for That's like right. 30 or 40 seconds. Went, Respect my neck, ladies and gentlemen. The Goo Goo Dolls or whatever. Oh my God. <laughs> right. But there was a lot of riffing. And then because of that, he's not allowed on SNL ever. Wow. <laughs> he got I can think of the visual of that, but I can't think of the joke. Wow. So there was that. So, so we've been I talking hear, about yeah. cancel culture for a long time is what we're yeah, hearing. You know, and, and no one came to defend yeah. him back then. <laughs> well, it's funny with the Supertones. You know, if you, if you win a Dove Award or whatever they won on their first album, you got to follow it with something epic. Like that song starts off clearly from some guys that just won a Dove Award and are like, we have to prove something. And it's like, dun, 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 you know. Yeah. Super Tone Strike back, just like Leia's father. <laughs> we, you hit, we hit back harder. Like Huss and Steven, <laughs> I'm not afraid to be a Mark. So, you know, they're just regular dudes that like Star Wars, the most popular movie ever made. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, what like cool nerds. You they're know? cool nerds. It's funny, like listening back to this album today, I, it's, it's weird. I think it was one of those albums, like it's ingrained in my head, like a lot of this stuff is, but there, there was like, it was weird because there was like three songs that I heard and we're like, oh my God, I have a vivid memory of this, these three songs. What and were those rest, songs? I don't like remember at all. Uh, one was, um, one was Little Man. Uh-huh. I remembered like very well. And then the other one was Resolution. Resolution, I have like such a memory of being at youth conference and people like playing it because it's like pseudo inspirational and pseudo, it's like they're kind of more serious one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hilarious. Yeah, the the encyclopedia pal says uh, in in this he says uh, bu, 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 bu. It, the band seems to have studied the British ska masters in the intern between releases and have moved their sound in a more direction of those influences. Distinctive two tone blends of organ and bass turn up on numerous tracks. Resolution and Little Man are pop gems of a first order, and you'll like wow. this part. The former sounds an awful like a lot like Mighty Mighty Boss Tone song. 
but it is actually better than anything that group ever did. It ah. remains the supertone Sterling masterpiece. Oh so, my okay, God. okay, Mr. Powell, wow. Wow. that's good. Wow, slow down, slow and, down. I don't disagree. This is a fantastic song. <laughs> Little man, that's one of their most streamed songs on Spotify. At least I want to uh, play. Little man is a, a little. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with that? <laughs> you got a problem with that, Caroline? You can no, just say Lil Man, so... It all comes out. There are only, like, two songs I want to talk about on this album, and Lil Man wasn't one of them, you know, mm. for me. What was the other one? Well, um, I think we do have to mention a certain lyric in Perseverance of the Saints. Oh, I don't know which one that would be. I I'd have to... Perseverance of the Saints. Well. I'll look that up. Well, that's so Perseverance <laughs> of the Saints, that is the P in Tulip. That I can't is, think of it offhand. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I see that. Yeah. I'll just go to that right now. That seems interesting. <laughs> You're talking um, about the second verse? I think so. Yeah. But the the song is about, you know, like kind of, I think, amping yourself up, you know, to serve the Lord mm, and not sure. being neutral in any way or being, uh, you know, quiet about it. Yeah, no, and that's good. And generally, we don't want to be neutral about things that uh, are justice-oriented. We want to be passionate about them. Sure. Um, but it does matter how we express or don't express that neutrality, <laughs> I guess. So Words matter. Let's listen to that second verse and see how the supertones express that neutrality. Okay. I've, and Resolute Like Gandhi was just the next lyric coming to. <laughs> did it say neutral as a Nazi? Yeah. That's right, Luke. It sure did. Yeah. And that is to demonstrate the path, passion with which he will be a saint, I suppose. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. And yeah. to put it in the same line as Gandhi is a real is a real home run. So it's yeah. interesting I, because you, you don't want to be neutral. But you don't uh, want to be sure. like a Nazi at all. Sure, it's a curious. It maybe maybe they thought of the Gandhi line first, and then they just could not think of another rhyme. There was nothing that fit Someone the syllabus. <laughs> the syllabus. Yeah, we like, gotta put the Nazi like, one in there, but you know, yeah. Mike, we gotta put it in. Like, who was really passionate about their message? You know, Gandhi. Uh-huh. Um, no one else comes to mind. No, JFK doesn't rhyme in a, in a good way. Martin Luther King Jr. too long, uh, <laughs> just you yeah. know all those figures. It's okay, they Nazi. don't all have to rhyme. Yeah. And to come at it also with like the lines before of just being like, "I'm gonna fight till my knuckles are bloody," and they're carrying our bodies by the truckload. <laughs> like it's just yeah. so. When they sing so, that like, now, though, they yeah. they have updated the lyrics, so they sing, uh, "Until my bloody knuckles carry us to heaven by the truckfuls, I will be stubborn as a pit bull, violent as Benghazi." Is what they say. (laughs) (laughs) Which remember the bloodshed of Benghazi. I will never chill like Hillary. (laughs) (laughs) I like the idea that these were all uh, subtle campaign ads. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, they just sort of adjust to whatever. Yeah, they they played the they were campaigning for Kucinich in 2004, but it didn't work <laughs> out. <laughs> did he run that? I think he did. Um, I <laughs> mean, scary. I I don't think these these guys are uh, sympathetic to Nazis, obviously, but it's no. like just don't. It's pretty easy yeah. to not put Nazis yeah. in your song. Let's not do it. You know, I want- you don't need the edge. It's funny thinking about their lyrics because like I, I have a vivid memory of like before I ever found out about any of these bands, I was I would take I would get like Green Day or or the first offspring album or something and I would listen to it in my room uh, on a cassette tape very quietly and if my mom came I would turn it off real fast and it was just like I couldn't I could never get through a full song. And then uh, she'd probably never heard a single lyric from Green Day or The Offspring, so I had no idea what their songs were about. She could just hear the style of music. But when like MXPX came out I could say she would think the same thing, but I was like, no, listen, they're, this is a Christian band. This they're is, talking yeah. about God. And like in hindsight, I could have just said that about Green Day. And I don't think she ever would have like sat down and <laughs> listened to, to the, the Green Day now. album. Yeah. But sometimes wow. moms want to read all the lyrics of uh, the album before true. you buy them. If you grew up mm-hmm. in an internet age where you can print out the lyrics and change all the mm-hmm. words, except maybe you forget to do it on <laughs> You Oughta Know on a Lance Morissette's Jagged Little Pill, and you forget to take out the part where she's she sings, the are you theater. thinking of me when you F her? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oops. <laughs> I think I did change the lyric to, would you make out with her in a theater? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm but sure. I forgot to <laughs> kind of pushing the envelope, but not the fuck her. I'm part. kind of upset that we didn't turn that song into one of our chapel songs, like the Blur song. <laughs> you, you ought to pray. Wow, yeah, your guys' exactly. moms sound like a couple of real music Nazis. You know, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. they were definitely not, uh, you know, vague in their passion. You know, we yeah, like, yeah, they were culture, adamant. As a culture, we don't say grammar Nazi anymore, right? That's out. I feel like yeah, I haven't I heard that so. in forever. I don't know. Well, I feel like the like people, everyone has internet speak now, you know, so uh-huh. you can't be hoity-toity about it anymore. Yeah. Like, so Why? instead of saying grammar Nazi, people say... Yeah, yeah. Grammar Nazi is at least clearly a bad thing. The lyrics about when you're going to talk about the kind of passion in your in your work you're going to do and using Nazi is a little bit like... I mean, I get it. They were very passionate fellas, but like, I don't know if I'd use that one. Maybe it's some sort of thing we don't understand culturally about punk ska scene where there is there truly is crossover with hardcore stuff, which does include skinhead music. So maybe they're like... Okay, we're gonna reach maybe. out to this demo and then yeah. trick them a little bit and make. This them is also their second Yikes. album, so maybe they were afraid that they were gonna like not uh, have as much success. They were trying to throw out some clues to get a bigger audience. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just guys. I'm thinking out loud if this is the case, <laughs> what this yeah. song is dog whistling to white supremacists? I don't know if the OC yeah. Supertones. I will revoke the toast that I was yeah. definitely going to give to them. Oh my god! Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> No, they're trying to convert the Nazis. It's okay. Oh my god! Can I tell you the the song I had the most uh, vivid reaction to is a song called "Like No One Else." I want to play that for a second.
So the part I like about this song is is more to the bridge when they say, every time I shed a tear, it matters, it matters. It matters. Well, wait, I should get to that part. I just like uh, when I'm in the dentist chair. Don't you love the sound of aggressive adult men affirming the validity of their emotions? Yeah. Hey, my tears matter. What does he say about about popping a beer or something in that lyric? What does he say? Popping a beer. Popping a beer. Cold with fear, shed a tear. Um, maybe that's where my brain's going. I want a beer. Yeah, maybe I that's want where a beer. Want to go. <laughs> <laughs> I want like a beer. I thought he was going to uh, say something of... like denying a, de- a beer. Like that's one of the things he does. Like, oh, when I'm denying a beer, <laughs> yeah, it matters. No thanks to beer. Yeah. Um, uh, Kevin, this also really resonated with me too. I liked it. And I think that section also, there's something very like, oh, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine. Uh-huh. You blow my oh, yeah. mind at Mickey, too. It has like that vibe to it. Just fun. You can't deny the fun of Scott. Like, it's hard I to deny. deny it. It's like, a, you know, Mama Number Five is a great example. It's just like. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That is, even if it's not technically Scott, it's the spirit of Scott. It's the feeling. Yeah. It's yes. The fact that they have instruments is great. I love that they have instruments. Um, I like that instruments too. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> I love that bridge too, and I also felt the same way of like, oh, that's really cool that they're like, if you're shedding a tear, you're cold, you have a broken heart, like that all matters. And I, I thought that was really moving, even to me now. I was like, this is nice uh, to hear. Everyone, even Fred Rogers yeah. stuff. Yeah, like it, it does feel yeah. of of that same ilk of taking your own emotions seriously and and affirming the validity, and then trying to interrogate the reality of them, and especially comparing it to the idea of a loving creator that cares about uh, intricacy of detail and about mundanity in your life, I think mm-hmm. is a is a lovely vision mm-hmm. of God uh, to emphasize. Exactly. And it's certainly better yes. than the vision of God that exists in other parts of this album where it's like, I don't know why you love me. Ooh, oh, why me? Ooh, I'm alone. <laughs> like all that stuff, I, I think. Uh-huh. I think that's Little Man you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Here, I'll play a little bit of that real quick. So I'm, I, I hope you can stand that image, Caroline, of a little man uh, that oh, seemed man. so distasteful a... to you before. So a big, strong Nazi. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, if I'm going to choose between those two. The yeah, spectrum is a little man or a <laughs> <Yeah>. tall Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> I was, when I heard little man, all I could think of him is like expressing of like, oh, I'm like a boy inside, you know, like I'm, I feel small. It's my vulnerable inner child. But I was reading this and I was like, oh, no, I think they just mean like a, like a, a loser. <laughs> Whoa. 
<laughs> oh, you mean like a military person or a troop? Yeah. I'm super excited for our uh, making a murderer style doc about the Orange County Supertones that we're all going to do later. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Piece this all together. What's There's the so meanings much of this album? Material. Yes. I can't wait to go through those audio tapes. Yes, it's going to be so good. All of the transcripts. We'll find all their surviving members, you know, oh, and man. interview them. Oh, we yeah. all know if there's going to be a true crime doc, it's going to be about Carmen. It's going to be like the Val. It's going to be like a Nexium-esque sort of operation. Carmen is, there's no world where Carmen is not like in Vegas right now in some sort of weird situation that he's been in for like 12 years. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And like just hanging out the bar and keep keeping telling everybody like, this is my ministry. Like, this is what I do now. Yeah. And he's like with his like magician (laughs) boyfriend. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Carmen, but. I really am surprised he hasn't like kind of gone full cult yet you know like he had some life coaching classes that you yeah, get he's dipping him. his little toesies in he's there he's, yeah. in. maybe he just needs like he needs a partner you know he i haven't heard the word carmen mind. in 20 years so this is i'm i'm, I'm all ears i have so much to say <laughs> caroline i know it's co- corona era but are you ready for Carmania Part Two this October? <laughs> I think nothing will slap harder than Carmen <laughs> under quarantine, Kevin. So I'm. And can't here's wait. the thing: we could cover different albums, but we're gonna do all the same albums for a second time. Oh <laughs> See if we get anything oh new, some more yeah, water from new those rocks. Nuggets. I wonder if Carmen had any idea that at some point down the road, someone would say the word "nothing will slap harder" with the word Carmen as that answer. <laughs> Nothing will slap He's like, no, I never slapped uh, officially hard, <laughs> you know, just like light. <laughs> President Trump blues. Oh, baby. Anything else we yeah. want to talk about with this album before we, we rate it and give our, our roaster toast? Man, no, I think, I think it's perfect. We've covered it perfectly. We covered it perfectly. We hit, <laughs> we hit all the, the high points, I think. So, oh, I had something else to say. Which is what? Um, if Mariah Carey did a ska band, would you call the OC whistle tones? Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) And what would it sound like? (laughs) 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 And that's a little, little taste. I'm I'm glad I I do like anything else we want to talk about with this album is Caroline digging through the notes for okay what are some Twitter drafts I can air out yeah it's kind of my like my my little type five moment that I get to yeah. have with the nice. supertones joke I've been saving for five years <laughs> oh baby well uh, let's rate it the way this works Luke is we're gonna give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down or neither if we give it a thumbs up that's us saying to uh, this band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We give it a thumbs down. We're sending them to hell and we're saying, No, 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 no. (laughs) Or we give them neither and just send them to the space between. (laughs) It's so good. And we'll start with Caroline. Uh, It's going to be a no, 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 no for me, fam. Uh, it is a it's a roast, you know. But with with the caveat that I do like that song about telling me that people matter, and I think that's really hey, nice. that's <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no uh, universe if you're not Lou Bega that you're getting a toast from Caroline if you played you ska music. You have to be Lou yourself in order to get me to listen to ska, <laughs> and you have to be on the podcast. <laughs> So come on, Lou. <laughs> Finally, the frost nicks of our time. We turn to Lou. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, you know what? While I did have the realization that there's probably only uh, three or four songs that I still like on the album, I'm still going to give it a thumbs up for those three or four songs that brought me some excellent nostalgia today. Okay. Yeah, you got to be loyal. Yeah. Wow. I, I get yeah. it. I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to give it to him. I would I would listen to those four songs again. So that's uh, it's a good sign. So I want to make a good rational informed decision, as we all should. In, in the coming months ahead, okay? Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Pokemon Go to the polls. <laughs> animal crossing the aisle. Um, but I will... Mambo s- over to your voting center. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's been more than Mambo number five minutes choosing your candidate. <laughs> there it is, yes. Um, but you know what? Here's the deal. I... I didn't love most of the songs, but there were a few I liked. But the thing that's going to decide it for me is that I don't like Nazis. So I'm going to be neutral and give it a space between. Mm, that's fair. <laughs> and so that's fair. We have the neutral gamut of ratings on, on this episode. So there you have it, yeah. folks. No, I appreciate that. You do have to vote your conscience, and I'm glad that you considered it. Like Ted Cruz said, why is that stuck in my head? Ted Cruz saying, I don't know. Your you got a lot. You got to stop letting him live in your mind like that. Rent you free. Evict, <laughs> evict that memory. <laughs> Every four years, there's a soundbite where it's like, I'll remember this the rest of my life. Binders full of women. Listen, the fundamentals I don't of our economy rights. are strong. What's that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except for you getting to kick out that memory <laughs> in your head. Uh, but we're not the final word. You can vote at Christian Fun Pod. You can give it a roast or toast yourself. So get out there and. Pokey go to the polls and corn pop was a bad dude it me <laughs> and of course <laughs> those are the new drops corn pop was a bad dude it me which i think kind of uh sums up this election thus far but now corn pop corn pop was a bad dude said the dead guy uh now it's time to dim the lights and light the candles Bring into a more worshipful space. Luke, we're not here to plug our projects or promote ourselves. We're here to lift them up to the Lord as a humble and loving sacrifice. And so we'll start this process, this holy process with Caroline. You can lift me up at Caroline's Farts. And for my lift up this week, actually, Kevin, do you have a guess what my lift up is this week? Yes. What is it? It's the vow. The vow? No, it's not. Never mind. Wow, you don't even know me. You know that's a, that's like after all this time. Oh God, what you is it? Just me. tell me. It's raised by wolves. Absolutely, I love this show. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> Why? Do you know what the? Ch- <laughs> it's so good. It's on HBO Max, a uh, lot of fun. You've Ridley only Scott. said HBO Max shows for the last three months. I'm a Max head. What can I say? I'm a Maxinista. Maxinista. <laughs> TJ or HBO. In every way. Uh, it's so dinner. good. I've been really enjoying it. Another great sci-fi show that I've also been enjoying it is Lovecraft Country. Also a good little, uh, get a little sci-fi fix going on. Your literal is just HBO. It's like you have one <laughs> streaming service now. Well, for next week, I have two TikToks to lift up, Kevin. So I can't we will wait. diversify. Hey, if you lift up that TikTok where like the kid pees himself, that'd be fun. You know what I'm talking no, about? Mine are, mine are more obscure. 
All right. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you, Mrs. Maxinista. We turn it now to Luke. Uh, yeah, if, if you guys could just keep your eyes closed, I would really appreciate that. Okay. Um, uh, you can you can lift me up at uh, Twitter on at Luke Barnett or Instagram at I am Luke Barnett. Uh, I'm gonna lift up our, our movie. It's called Faith Based. It comes out October 9th, and uh, and I and I'm also gonna lift up. Uh, I've been lifting up a lot of uh, Succession on Carolyn's favorite channel these days, the TV show Succession on HBO. Oh, that's right. And I've been. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to lift up uh, a show called Pen15 on Hulu, which is, uh, if you don't watch Pen15, it's probably the funniest thing I've seen in a while. Oh it's uh, two girls in their 30s playing uh, coming of age in the year 2000, 13-year-olds, but they play themselves, and the rest of the cast is actually 13, and if it sounds weird, it is, but they somehow make it work. It's so awesome. Amazing. It's coming back for a new season next month uh, for an abbreviated season because I got shut down in the middle of it, which stinks. But, but there will be some new episodes of it. I feel like your lift-ups this week, Luke, uh, were fed to you by an outside source. What? Oh, HBO? And rhymes with heaven. Uh, no. <laughs> no. No. I'm a big like, fan no. of both, but, uh, but I, yeah. I'm glad to hear you know it has good taste. <laughs> I like those shows too though. They're great. It's it's just I mean I don't I don't have anything against lifting up HBO like programming. I think it's terrific. <laughs> but you know, dipping your toe in the Hulu waters every now and again like Luke did. Sure, sure, know, sure. That's, that's fun yeah. as well. Also Hulu since Hulu bought FX, every FX comedy is like my new favorite comedy. So uh I gotta give it to H- uh, Hulu. Jeez, HBO's in my head now. They've taken over Hulu See? in the comedy space, taken over. Living rent yeah. free now. I am. By the way, I am disappointed, Caroline, that you're lifting up HBO properties and not a big old Disney Plus property right now that you predicted for years was going to be a masterpiece. <laughs> Maybe it didn't turn out that way, huh? <laughs> Folks, the joy with which Kevin sent me uh, two scathing headlines about the movie Mulan—you uh, can't imagine it. Like I, I feel like I. That carried Kevin through probably a good day or two, you know? Uh, it picked me up. Just like, I don't, you know, I want every movie to be good, but the uh, vindication of an opinion. You want every movie to be good? I do. I yeah. want every movie to be good. I We've seen a few trailers at the same time, like in the theater, and that Mulan trailer, I was like, this is gonna be a great movie that was how i felt about it mm-hmm. and um, but said, i am very but we know that i am famously very susceptible to trailers so this is something i'm learning and i'm working on too well caroline you said this is gonna be a great movie and also 2020 is my year <laughs> <laughs> you said both of those things with mulan coming out what could we go wrong you know <laughs> Uh, you know what? I'm going to lift up. Uh, you can follow me at Kevin T. Porter. I'll lift up. I'll lift up another PCAST. If you like listening to The Daily, but uh, are sometimes put off by some of the on mic talent, I would recommend a podcast called Today Explained on Vox, uh, which is a sort of great alternative daily news podcast that's a little funnier and a little. A Vox podcast? <laughs> What? No, it's fine. Lift up whatever you want. <laughs> oh, this unchecked aggression. <laughs> it's terrific. Well, Emily Vanderwerf, you know, on the family. Uh, it's, hey. you know, from her company. Uh, so, you know, it's 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 connected. It's all in the fam. Yeah. No, that sounds cool. I, I'm just trying to 
believe. Also, look look up her piece. She wrote she wrote a piece uh, called "Taylor Swift is the 21st Century Millennial Bruce Springsteen." That was uh, pretty resonant with me. So that Damn. that was pretty terrific. Luke, thank you so much for joining us on the show, sir. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. That was a blast. What a fun time. Ah. And uh, with every head bowed and eyes closed, there's nothing left to say except for an off-pods people said, amen. Luke, what's an, what's an OC Supertone song you'd like us to go out on? Hey, let's, let's, go out on uh, let's go out on Resolution because we didn't hear it. Resolution. Do you want a resolution? Woo, woo. That song, right? We'll ease them out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Caroline, you're waking up in the morning to this song. The sun is rising over the horizon. It doesn't get better. You're stretching out. It's, well, actually, you know, it's 9.30 because it's you. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> I've been up with a one-year-old for three and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> and I've run nine miles, and I'm having my third cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. A little bit of Monica by my side. No! A little it's bit of different. Daisy by the night. A little bit of Caroline all night long. <laughs> They're going to be so upset when they hear this. Yes, they are. <laughs> and they will. <laughs> this time, this time, my God, I will be yours. That was a HeadGum Podcast.